Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again to do another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, does it feel like we're in the middle of season? I mean, it feels like we've done more episodes over the last like twelve days than than we do necessarily even in the in the thick of it. So excited to be able to get back, talk with you, talk with our audience. As always, Louisiana Hot Sauce is the great facilitator of the Nolcast, making everything possible. And uh, yeah, we'll jump right into a little quasi instant reaction. Uh, full schedule is out. Dates, uh, times, uh, or uh, times to be determined, most of them, but some of them we have an idea. We've got uh, ideas to how the landscape of the schedule is put together, and uh, we'll just go back and forth, try to give a little bit of a unique perspective on what we see when we look at the schedule. Yeah, so a quick read down. You're going to start on September 12th, hosting Georgia Tech. Then you host Sanford. That is the uh, ad- additional game, your plus one game, non-conference, so to speak. Then you go on the road uh, a week later at Miami, and you get a bye week, and then you go to Notre Dame, you host UNC, you're at Louisville, then you get a bye week, and then we're into early November here. Uh, by the way, bye week on Halloween, so that'll be interesting. Uh, in early November, November 7th, you host Pitt, and then you uh, go to North Carolina State, host Clemson, and you finish up by hosting Virginia and traveling to uh, Duke. So just first blush, for, for first impression for you, Ingram, what, what did you think? I think it lays out about as well as it could. Uh, certainly there's some elements to this that we'll talk about. Um, and the, <laughs> the bi-week discussion will give you our perspective on that. And, you know, Florida State's going to have to avoid its own bi-week jinx there with uh, – Halloween, Tallahassee uh, on a bye week, that could be a, that could be a bit of a challenge for the lads not to, not to go doing a little Corona super spread in there. But uh, yeah, no, I think it lays out really well. We mentioned uh, 10 days ago or so, whenever it was when we saw the five and five split, that we thought Georgia Tech would be a ideal game one type situation uh, that laid out in your favor. I, look, there's, you know, the teams that are on this schedule are the teams that are on the schedule, and there's no perfect way for them to be put together. But I think if you're Florida State and you look at this objectively, you've got to be pretty pleased with uh, what you see in front of you. I, I completely agree. When I saw it, uh, I, I think if you can see what my hand is doing, I, th- I think your emotions start out really high. You're like, oh, yes, getting to start with Georgia Tech. I, I have Georgia Tech rated as the worst team on Florida State's schedule, other than Sanford, obviously, by a pretty good amount. I, I think their roster... Transitioning from that triple option is is a long ways off. I think Florida State's defense should be able to handle Georgia Tech, and, and I think Florida State's offense should be able to do enough uh, to put some points up against Georgia Tech's defense. Uh, and, and that one is is easily the ACC game about which I feel most comfortable predicting a win. And then you get uh, you get the Sanford game. I, I think the start here is is definitely the like the most favorable uh, thing. For them now, tough break wise. But what did you think about about maybe a tough break they had? Is there a game that that really kind of kind of worries you here, or or just what was your initial reaction just straight positive? I mean, the stretch that I think everybody is going to look at is that middle uh, October run where you you play Miami, you hit your bye, and then you have uh, Notre Dame, you host Carolina, and then you travel to Louisville. Uh, Louisville is one of those games that's a little more of a of a toss-up, it'll be one of the games that goes a little bit further in deciding how successful or unsuccessful the season is. And I think that uh, with the way that it lays out there, uh, that it makes getting a win there a little bit more difficult. But 
again, when, when you see these teams and line up the way they are, there's no perfect way to place them where there's not going to be a, a minefield uh, at some point in the process. And yeah, I mean, if you, obviously you've got the buy, but the idea that you play Miami, Carol, uh, Notre Dame, Carolina, Louisville uh, in a four out of five weeks is, is going to be a tough little bounce. Ingram, I, I actually, uh, I, I sat down and I, I, I penciled in uh, my preferred schedule overall, if, if you're interested in hearing it. Uh, like, so this is, I think, the ideal schedule for Florida State. It would be uh, starting out with Sanford, then Georgia Tech, then at Duke, then Virginia, then at uh, NC State. So having a pretty good chance to start 4-1, and 5-0, and oh, and then uh, go and play Louisville, uh, followed by Pitt. And then maybe if the rest of the season's canceled, you have a pretty good shot of, of finishing <laughs> finishing out five and one, not having to lose to any rivals. It's like, oh, you, you just want to go on a nice three game losing streak to end the season or something here. But yeah, no, I think that was a was a smart play, smart play, thinking man's play. Can't lose in November if you don't play in November. So I, let, let's go ahead and thank another one of our sponsors here, just just real early in the show. This might be a little bit shorter of a show tonight with uh, with Madso's been doing some great things. Uh, Gear-wise, I, I got to get myself one of those Nolcast hats, by the way. Oh, they look awesome. They really look awesome. Uh, hats off to Matt and his team. have been able to put some uh, great product up there in general. And then they've got a, a couple of Nolcast-themed items that uh, you can take a look at. I think it's madisonsocial.com backslash Nolcast. Uh, but again, whether it's a shirt, uh, one of ours, or any of the other shirts they offer, or go in there enjoying a sandwich to go. Ruben is the 17th of each month. I'll go ahead and plant that seed in our listeners' mind. Great people. They've been great partners for us, and uh, we certainly look forward to having an adult beverage on the on the back porch of uh, Madso here in the soon as soon as we can. Let's go ahead and move to our favorable bounce uh, question here. Is there a favorable bounce? We already covered Georgia Tech early. To be honest, when we were sketching out this outline tonight, guys just, uh, and girls, of course, uh, I basically just kind of did it somewhat in the order of the way Ingram and I texted each other today. However, we found out that my phone is kind of jacked up. And so Ingram's texts were coming in like in bunches, but late, much later on, including what time we're going to start the show tonight. Is there anything else you really like about the schedule other than the fact that you get Georgia Tech early, which I agree with you is obviously the, uh, the, the major break you catch and, and one that you have to cash in on? Yeah, I mean, I, I like where Miami's positioned. I think it'd be better off if Florida State to try to go ahead and I wouldn't want him as game one, but I think having that in a opening stretch is favorable. I think being able to come off Sanford is favorable. And this team is not uh, a dominant force that can look past anybody, but I certainly think that you can drop elements of your Miami install in from beginning from right now. Uh, again, you're not looking past Georgia Tech, uh, but you should be able to coach up and get past that game. Certainly should be able to with Sanford as well, although we all have a PTSD of the Sanford ULM games and everything else over the past couple of years. But I think um, I, I don't think you can ask for a better place to find that Miami game and how it lays out on your own schedule. I, I agree with you there. Uh, I, in fact, I, I think honestly, if you can't open with Georgia Tech and you can't open with Sanford, I might want to open with Miami uh, simply because they are installing a new offense just like Fort State is. And I expect that both these offenses will look like crap, especially early in the year. Uh, I, in fact, I think a lot of offenses in college football are going to look really bad early in the year due to the limited amount of fall camp and practice time, due to the fact you didn't have summer seven on seven, due to the fact you didn't have spring practice. Uh, so I think the earlier you get Miami, the greater chance that they have not meshed together yet, which is ideal. So I, I do agree. Now, of course, they're probably thinking the same thing 
about Florida State, but I, I do have a decent bit of faith in, in FSU's defense this year. And uh, I, I think if Florida State's defense this year has a weakness, it is the pass, right? I, I feel much better about the run defense, of course, which is kind of a bummer because the way college football is going, you, you definitely want to be better against the pass than you are against the run because you know it's more efficient to pass the ball. Uh, but I, I, I do feel pretty good about this defense overall. I think it'll be uh, a, a top 25 level defense, most likely, assuming they play. And I'm not convinced Miami's passing offense is going to be clicking by that point in the season. Now, am I going to pick Miami? At this point, yeah, I would, for sure. I'm not going not to sugarcoat that. Uh, but I do think I agree with you there. Playing them early does seem to help you quite a bit. Now, I'll throw one out that Ingram actually texted to me, which is the one I thought he was going to take right now, which getting NC State on the road, which traditionally has kind of been a very tough spot for Florida State. Even when they win, it seems like, like there's some games uh, with significant adversity, which they normally probably you know, should not be having that, that level of adversity. Uh, and I think part of that is because the fans are right on top of you there in that stadium. Ingram and I have both been to games at Carter-Finley, and it's just, it is much louder than it seems on TV. It's louder than you would think it is. It's, I think it's as loud as Virginia Tech. And I've, I've been to both stadiums in you know, pretty raucous crowds there. I think getting in without fans in the stands is, is an advantage, for sure. Uh, so that, that, that would be my other kind of favorable bounce there, getting get in that NC State game uh, when, when you do, and most likely without fans in the stands. Now, that's not official, but if you look at like Penn State today, I don't know if you caught this or not, but they announced that they were going to have a, a small number of fans in the stands, and their governor was like, yeah, we're not doing that. Mm, not happening. You, you can have 250 total people involved in the game. Did you also see what they did with their season ticket holders and like their booster points and stuff? Full confession, I, I handle quality control for our Penn State podcast, so I did get to, I, I did get to listen to this, but uh, I was listening on 2x speed, so I, I caught most of it. It was like uh, I think if you could get you could get a refund if you wanted to, but you don't you're not guaranteed to keep your status for next year as far as your as far as where your seats are, or you could change it into a tax deductible donation. You can yeah you but you if you choose the refund you. Basically, you lose your spot in line uh, as far as, like you said, your status is not guaranteed and, in fact, perhaps uh, almost kind of implicitly told to you that it, you might uh, find yourself uh, in a place where you weren't previously and also your parking would be up for uh, discussion as well. So, um, for people that have paid, you know, season tickets for 18 years, those two things matter a lot and that's an interesting little uh uh, perhaps a little bit of a strong arm from a school as uh, as they're all having to face budget challenges. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so let's go ahead and discuss quickly here, uh, or maybe not quickly. If you want to spend a lot of time on it, we can. Uh, judging by the, the emails and tweets we got, I, I think it's maybe something that's not so quick, but I, I just don't think this is that big of a deal. Uh, so maybe you do. The bye week discussion. Florida State plays four teams who have a bye week before them. So my general thought on this is because you have uh, you know, multiple bye weeks this year due to the fact that you're trying to get all these games in and you know, you're likely to have some cancellations, more teams are going to be facing teams coming off a of bye. However, it is factual to point out that I think Florida State has the most teams uh, coming off a of bye week. And so that is pretty interesting. I don't know if that's intentional by the league. I haven't heard anything about Florida State being mad about that so far. I don't know if that's because there's a lot of different stuff here. So I, I want to let you lead off and I'm going to follow. 
Well, I think it's probably a reflection of, um, you know, one of the things that you can request, one of the things that in theory, and sometimes uh, it varies from year to year how your requests are received as to when your bye weeks come and who they come in front of. So I, I don't think it's an accident. I think it's probably a, a compliment to Norvell and his staff uh, that a lot of these institutions wanted an extra week to both see what they're doing and then get prepared for it. It's my opinion that Florida State lobbied pretty hard uh, to get Georgia Tech placed where it was on the schedule with the ACC. And uh, I think if you're going to get something like that done in your favor, you can't be upset when the conference then turns around and listens to somebody else's lobbying uh, request to try to have a bye week in front of Florida State. I, I agree with that. Um, I also, you know, I wonder, like, having bye weeks in, in front of Florida State, is that something that is maybe related to the fact that, you know, Florida is one of the states that has the, the worst control? On, on the outbreak, might they need additional flexibility when it comes to Florida State games? You know, might might they be asked to you know push a game up or or, or push a game back? I don't know. I just just some, some stuff I'm thinking about here. I also note, and you brought this up earlier, and I think it's a really good point. Normally, a bye week is a big time advantage. You, you can go back to fundamentals. You can bang each other more in practice. You you can install some extra stuff. Teams are not going to be doing a whole lot of contact in practice this year. In fact, I, I was talking today on the uh, 24-7 sports social distance chat to Howard Griffith, the guy who was the, the fullback for, uh, for the Denver Broncos in front of Terrell Davis you know, back in, in the 90s and re- really like played a decade in the NFL. And he's a Big Ten Network analyst now. And he's like, you know, I think the offenses are going to look really bad because it takes a long time to get them coordinated and that's, we're not going to have a lot of time. So he goes, but I also think the tackling might be terrible this year. And, and several coaches today talked about the need to change the way they practice. Obviously, Mike Norvell and Adam Fuller talked about that. And Manny Diaz just straight up said, like, we're having to take a lot of these contact type drills out. There's no Oklahoma drill this year because we're trying to limit the amount of, and I'm going to use the word contact here. So what I really mean is like, we're having to take a lot of these collision drills out and these tackling drills out to avoid physical contact between our guys because we don't want them catching COVID and, uh, and, and getting you know, held out because they have to quarantine or, or obviously worse if they actually catch it and you know, get, the, get the bad symptoms. So I don't know. I mean, a bye week could be an advantage if it allows some of your guys to come back from COVID. But I think you make a great point too that, man, these guys are going to be locked up in their rooms. Like they can't even play video games with their suite mate next door, right? They're all going to have, have to be playing on Xbox Live and you know, or, or over the internet, probably listening to a lot of podcasts like the Nolcast, which which we very much applaud. When they get that bye week, do you trust some of your roster, most of your roster? all of your roster to continue to follow these, these quarantine procedures? Or do you think they might see the bye week as a time to let loose and, you know, like, like maybe, maybe intermingle a little bit more with the general student population than they have been doing? Maybe enjoy actually being in college. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, to see how bye weeks are handled. And I, um, you know, obviously we're, we, uh, we kind of jokingly laugh about the idea that bye weeks could be super spreaders, but they could be, Look, both of us basically independently texted each other the same idea that I thought was kind of crazy. So that's a good confirmation that we were at least having a, a, a similar train of thought. And I, I think a bye week could be a great thing for your roster. We'll have to see how it plays out in the COVID era, but I don't think it's a big reach uh, to have concerns about the fact that uh, a 19-year-old kid might look at a chance to act like a 19-year-old kid. And we have absolutely no idea how many of these bye weeks actually will stay bye week for these teams. Like, yeah, that's a good point as well. That's a good point as well. Because they have the bye week, it, we, we call it a bye week, but we really should probably refer to this as an open week. 
because it's an open week. It's literally a makeup date for games that you might have missed in prior weeks. So I'll make you a bet right now. I'll bet you a beer at Madso that Florida State's opponents do not keep four open dates before Florida State games. I think at least one of those will be used for a makeup game. Yeah, I think that's a that's a safe bet. I'll certainly take it. I'd love to, you know, it's one of those bets I'd love to lose. But uh, yeah, I will take it and we'll have to see. I think, uh, you know, we're just going to see stuff this year that we could never fathom and think about. And I think the idea that the bye weeks that we see now not being bye weeks in October or November is assuming we get there, as we have to preface with all of this, I think is a, a real legitimate thing that could come to fruition. So, as for Florida State's bye weeks, do you mind where, where, where they come? Uh, I'm pretty, I, I like it. I, I mean, again, if it holds, that pit one uh, caught my eye. I mean, there's only two, so it's not like, ooh. Uh, but I, <laughs> that's, that's great insight, Ingram. Uh, the, the pit one did, I did look at that. I think that's a, a good place that's a really talented defensive line, like we've talked about. I think it's not a bad idea, assuming it holds, uh, that you you kind of come to a place where you circle the wagons a little bit as an offensive line. You know what you are, and uh, maybe you can heal up a little bit and be as a sound meant sound as possible for one of the better units that you're going to face all year. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you there. I mean, it might just allow you to get healthy against Pitt. I mean, Pitt definitely has one of the best offensive and defensive line combos. I mean, they might be the best defensive line Florida State faces this year, uh, especially since Miami had a, a pretty important player opt out today uh, in, in, in Greg Rousseau. They're, they're probably the best defensive end in the conference. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. Now, I had asked previously, can we stop giving Florida State bye weeks before games? They have no shot to win. Like, I don't really care that we're going like, to see Florida State Increase their their expected win percentage against Clemson from fifteen percent to seventeen percent. Okay, like if Trevor Lawrence is playing, you're not winning. Got it. I don't really love the bye week coming before Notre Dame, but I don't really hate it following Miami. So I guess I'm okay with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, assuming you beat Miami, I mean that, that'll be a that'll be crazy a, a big game in my opinion. A possible if you care about these things, possible game day location if you're rolling in three nothing. Three nothing, three and zero into um, Notre Dame there. Second week in October, it'll be a it'll be a beautiful sight. Uh, it'll be a great landscape, and uh, that would be that would be quite the atmosphere for Florida State to find it in that early in the process. I, I agree, and I mean, look, just as we said with the other teams, there's no guarantee that they actually have bye weeks before they play Florida State. There's no guarantee that Florida State keeps its bye week before it plays Notre Dame. It's entirely possible that the season gets bumped back immediately. And you end up playing Georgia Tech in week three, Sanford week four, and Miami week five, and then go immediately into Notre Dame without a bye week there. I think we should almost, like I said, maybe call these open weeks. But I, I do feel generally pretty good about starting out uh, two and one overall. And I think three and oh might be more, might be more likely than, than one and two. Yeah, yeah. I think two and one has to be the expectation uh, at this point. I think it would be a, anything above that would he be... I mean, look, man, we beat Florida State beats Miami this year. That's a that's a big damn deal, and we'll certainly celebrate it. Uh, but yeah, if you're three and zero, then we're all doing backflips. And if you're two and one, uh, you at least have decent footing as you kind of jump off into the meat of the schedule. Says I can get tickets for the West Virginia game as low as eighty six dollars. You think that's a good play or uh, what? What now? Can you buy the insurance on there in case the game doesn't happen? <laughs> it says they're uh, says they're all guaranteed. I just chuckled that that's uh, still still an available option here. 
Oh man, everybody's working from home and everybody works at, works at a different speed there, including, including the, f- the folks who update those ticket websites. So uh, let's go ahead and discuss the toughest stretch. I, I, I put this on here, but I think we're going to have the same answer. And, and I think if you have a different answer, then I'm really kind of curious uh, as to what your thought process is. But, but mine is the three-week stretch, Florida State at Notre Dame, come home, play North Carolina, and then turn around and go play at Louisville. To me, that's, that's a pretty tough one. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's uh, really where it, it's hard to find anything other than that. Yeah, uh, it is. It is what it is, and in my opinion, that's the correct answer. You ever watch? Uh, what's the show where they had the briefcases and the dealer? Oh, uh, Deal or No Deal? Is that is that one? I I think so. Uh, and you know, I, you you can decide to bank things. Mm-hmm. If I said Ingram, you can bank one win in this toughest stretch and then move on. Are you banking it or are you rolling the dice? So explain to me what you mean exactly. So you can, so like I can choose to win against Notre Dame. No, just, just a random win here. But if I could guarantee you they go one and two in, in this three game stretch, would you take it? Yes, I would take it. That may be me being a little pessimistic, but yeah, I would grab it and roll on. I think I would too. I know what my numbers say and I know what my gut says. I'm not real convinced that two and one is more likely than zero oh and three. You know what I'm saying? I think one and I think one and two is definitely the most most likely result of that three-game stretch. Again, we're talking Florida State at Notre Dame, UNC at FSU, and then Florida State at Louisville. Yeah, I, I, again, I think if you get through that stretch one and two, you have to be fairly happy, I, I would think. And the thing is, if you get through that stretch one and two, and you start two and one, man, you're three and three. You only need to find three more wins from that point forward and you have five games remaining, a couple of which I think you're, you're going to be a favorite. You get Pitt, you get NC State, you get Clemson, never mind that one. You get Virginia, you get Duke. Like, I, I think you could maybe, maybe pick up three wins there to go six and five. Although I do think you'll make a bowl at five and six if, if, if that did happen with, with the number of bowls that are going to need to take teams that are you know, four and six, three and seven type this year. Just the, the math doesn't allow for enough, enough bowl teams, assuming the number of bowls actually holds. But I, yeah, that, that's my, my nomination for the toughest stretch as well. I think it's, uh, I think it's rather, rather obvious, but you had to put them somewhere, right? And at least Clemson's not, not included in, in that, I guess. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have the Clemson game as an opportunity to show if, if you can keep that thing you know, kind of close. Keep it close for a half, you know, something like that. Maybe, uh, maybe keep it lower scoring so it doesn't get crazy out of hand. We'll see. Uh, by the way, speaking of something that, that is is totally out of hand is the number of Nolcast listeners who are choosing to, to go with legendary home loans for their home loan. Shout out to Todd and Bailey. Congratulations from Ingram and I on your new home. Sending out your shirts tomorrow, so so be looking uh, in, in your box for that one. There's a reason. I think we hit seventy. By the way. 70 null cast loans and refis through legendary home loans. That's pretty awesome. And we really appreciate y'all supporting our sponsor like you have. And there's a reason why, why so many of y'all recommended them. And it's just the great customer service, awesome rates, knowledge, knowledge of the industry, and, and, and the wide variety uh, of, of places they can pull funding from for you. So give them a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. I wanted to get back into this. Give me your, your trap game. It's t- I, I, I have a hard time identifying one really on the schedule because after the last two years that you've had 
who the hell are you to get caught, <laughs> you know, to get blindsided by anybody? Uh, and like, oh, I didn't think UVA was going to be a I, I don't know. I, I really don't have one. I hope if we make it to December, uh, I hope the team is focused and gets a chance to pick up a win at Duke that by all accounts they should. And there's not too many games on the schedule that you can stay that for. And, you know, maybe one of the nice things that we've been able to retain through this rough stretch of water that the program's gone through is that we've never lost to Duke. And that's a nice little feather to uh, hopefully maintain. And it may matter. And, you know, it may be guys that are have to have to put on the, the chin strap one more time and, and drill down and focus one more time. But I, there is no kind of classic trap game here that I'm like, oh, well, you were looking ahead to North Carolina or looking ahead to NC State or whatever else. I just I don't know that the program, uh, there's any excuse or something like that. I think I agree with you. I mean, if if you have to pick one, I, I, like I would, I was thinking UNC because it is in the middle of that stretch. But at the same time, like UNC scores a bazillion points, and that's going to have your attention. You know, Pitt is a classic trap game type team, but for the fact that you have a bye week before them, so you really shouldn't have a trap game following a bye week. If you do, you got you got a bit of a motivational and focus problem. But maybe that's that's a possibility this year, given the. You know the the maybe the challenges that they're going to have keeping the kids focused about the bye week when, when they're in such lockdown mode throughout the rest of the year. Twenty ten going to Wake Forest off a of bye is that it or was that two double oh nine? That was so. What oh uh, seven was the year where where Wake came out and then Florida State played like three quarterbacks. Remember it was Devontae Richardson, Drew, and I think Ponder. <laughs> Everybody threw a lot of interceptions that night, if I remember correctly. Yeah. That was 13 years ago. Yeah, that's hard to believe. Could it be NC State? You waxed them last year. The game's in front of Clemson. You're coming off a very physical battle with Pitt. It's the only real conference game I can see you actually being overconfident in, except for the, the Duke one. I think I think you, you mentioned it's a good choice. I kind of wonder if NC State could be your trap game if you have to have one. You know, it's as good of an option to select as there is out there. Um. Again, not necessarily a schedule that has a lot of them, but uh, something that we could look at, something that we can both kind of speculate on. Um, so, look, if, I mean, there's just so much talk where we start a sentence or an idea with if, and it bothers the hell out of me, but it's really the only thing that we can do. And we've always done hypotheticals well. Like, I think that actually has made the show better in the offseason because we're like, hey, what if this happens? Like, we're, we're, We've never been afraid to kind of go down that road and, and discuss stuff. What if... <laughs> Uh, what do we do if this if the schedule gets canceled seven games in or something like that? I mean, obviously there's not anything anybody could do with it, but uh, I mean, say say hypothetically you play the Louisville game and then that's it. Do you sit there? You think you can take away a lot from it? You think we've learned a lot about this team uh, about how Mike Norvell and his staff handles you know one of the more unique situations that anyone could ever find themselves in coaching? Uh, it's just hard to say, but it's an, in my opinion, it's a very legitimate option that we at some point in the season see this interrupted. And, you know, maybe the, the idea or the kind of acceptance at that point is, is that we're not going to be able to get college football. in. Look, I agree with you. It's certainly a possibility. You know, it, it would be tough because it, there are some of these games that I think are likely wins, which come at the end of the schedule. If you were to rank the games in which you, you are most likely to win. I think it's it's clearly Sanford one, right? Georgia Tech two. I think it's probably 
Virginia at home, three, and then either NC State or Duke on the road, four or five in some order, unless you disagree with me there. I'm in agreement with that. Yeah. The thing is, that means you're two of your four most winnable games most winnable games or two of your five most winnable games are the final two of the season. You know, I, I think for Florida State, if you only end up getting seven games in, and if it's the first seven, yeah, you would dodge, you, you would dodge Clemson, you, you would dodge, but you also wouldn't get NC State, Clemson, Virginia, or, or, or Duke. That could be tough. I, I, you're not guaranteed to have a winning record at, at, after just seven games. To your point about whether we would judge Mike Norvell of course we would. I think we would judge Mike Norvell based on what he does, but we would ap- apply, I hope, a, an appropriate amount of weight to a season which we've already said is like a clear year zero situation if there ever was one uh, for, for a major program. And I think you'd, you would kind of discount what this season means even more. And, and that's probably good or bad too. Like, I, like if they come out and have an awesome year, I also don't think I'm super buying into that all. I'd be pretty damn encouraged. But there's like there's so many factors that are not within your control on your own team, but also on other teams that that I think there's still going to be a decent amount of show me or probably should be uh, in in this fan base. I, I don't know, man. This is crazy. Oh Lord, I said utter. Oh God, I just heard the first utter ever. I think think Matt Thompson's right. You do say that. Yeah, you do say utter. It's interesting, old, old Mike Norvell, the East Texas comes out when he says talented. Did you hear that? That's the, that's the one where you can really hear uh, <laughs> that he's, he's still maintained a little bit of that twang. Talented and I think continuing was the other word. And trust me, I'm not one to make fun of anybody's accent, but uh, it, was, it was interesting to, to hear him talk. And man, today was great. I was just, you know, so excited and see a schedule was hard just not to get optimistic and obviously uh all the challenges that everybody's going to face and trying to get this season off the ground and uh it's not going to be easy it's uh but all the conversations we've had for the last five months or so it was uh, just a great feeling to be able to look down see it see it in print get an idea know that we can bounce off our our ideas as to probabilities and things like that uh but does now that we have the real final form of it does it change your opinion as far as uh, projections, records, wins, losses? Uh, kind of where are you now that the two of us and all of our listeners can look at a schedule and have uh, you know some sense of certainty as to if the games get played, uh, here's who they're going to play and when they're going to play them? You know, I really don't think it does. Uh, the, the only thing that might have made me change my mind is is if Florida State started with one of these games that, that I would ID as, as kind of like a toss-up game if you played it midseason. But instead, if you threw it out there as game one, right? Like if they had to play Pitt game one, you know, if they had to play like Louisville game one, then maybe I would, I would be a little bit pessimistic about their season chances. And I, I think just based off our last two conversations, I might be more optimistic about this year's record than, than you are. Although maybe that's, maybe that's changed and once we hear your answer here. But, but I really don't think. No, my, my, my actual opinion on what's going to happen with the season as far as win-loss record is not materially changed. I, I think maybe there are other things that we can do uh, to, you know, to look at that. But ultimately, it's just very hard for me to think that the order of the games matters that much unless you get a very specific game as, as game one or if you're very backloaded with your winnable games in, in a year where there's a pretty good chance we don't get 
all of the games in. Uh, so no, I, I ultimately my my opinion is is mostly unchanged on it. Yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm certainly more optimistic than I was a week ago when I saw the teams that came off the schedule and the teams that have been added on. Now, you know, the idea that Florida is uh, taken away from that is a is a real big piece. I don't want to say that six is the exception, but six is not like the uh, you know the massive stamp of success. Don't anybody question it at this point? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I think now that that number's moved to seven. If you win seven games, don't talk to me about how it happened. Don't talk to me about disappointing losses. Don't do anything. Look at the season and appreciate how the hell Florida State won seven games and realize that that's a, a really successful season and move forward. Um, six is still a success, uh, but I will maybe be a little bit more layered detail as to how you got there and what you know you can really extrapolate from, from a year zero slash one. I think six, you are, you're pumping your, your fist once you get in the car, right? Because you knew, you knew there was a real potential for disaster. Six, you're not like doing a touchdown dance. You're not celebrating in front of everybody else. Seven, I, I think you're kind of feeling yourself a little bit in, in public. You know, like, okay, look, look at us. We won seven games in our first year, despite the fact we didn't have an offseason. Yeah, we'll be a real miserable fan base come next season during the offseason if we win seven games, definitely. People will be... Uh, By the way, have you thought about what wins? It, like, if you win seven, you only lose to four of these teams, most likely. Clemson, Pitt, Louisville, UNC, Notre Dame, Miami. That means you beat two of those teams. Yeah, I'd put Carolina on the list too. I know. Oh, excuse me, Carolina. Yes, uh, oh, sorry. I know you may not quite be quite as high as Carolina as some, but uh, yeah. So I actually meant to have have them on there. Yeah. So so you go two and four in that stretch. If you go two and four in that stretch, I'm pretty impressed, man. That's a big yeah yeah. There's a lot to take away from that. If you if you get two wins out of the groups of teams that we just talked about, that's a that's a hell of a step in the right direction. And three and three, forget about it. Yeah, yeah, three and three playing. Getting everybody together for good old parade. One uh, one comment, maybe I look too much into it, but I, you know, it was, it was interesting to hear Marvin Wilson say what he said and said it as definitively as he did. So, uh, you know, maybe I don't know if uh, if there had been some broader chatter about him or concern, but certainly a guy that uh, appears, like you said, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I did not declare for the NFL draft uh, to then not play football this year. So. Uh, a guy who appears to be all in and, and maybe uh, one of the guys that if you, you had your concerns with Florida State guys possibly opting out, uh, certainly doesn't appear as though uh, concerns surrounding uh, the broader landscape will be keeping Marvin Wilson out of ball. And look, I, I really don't have a problem if, if any college player wants to opt out this year. Not, not after, after the letter from an Indiana player's mother, not after we've seen some players in pro sports who it's like, damn, other Otherwise, to their knowledge, these guys get physicals for every year, very healthy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, damn, can't get back in shape. All of a sudden, has a heart condition. It, it's, a, it's a low percentage based on what they know right now, but it's not, as, it's not a no percentage that, that young people can, can get seriously messed up you know, by, by this disease. So if they're not comfortable with it, if they have family members who are immunocompromised or, or if, if some of these, um, you know, predispositions running their family. I, I no problem with guys opting out, especially since they're not paid. <laughs> you know, it's one thing for pro guys to sign contracts, say they're not going to opt out and, and then, you know, opt out later in the year. But even then, I think you still kind of have to respect it in this unprecedented time. 
I, I was surprised that Marvin came out and, and said what he said uh, because you, you don't know what's going to happen with the season. And I, I completely agree with you, by the way. If I, if I could take a defensive player off Miami's team, he's the guy I'm pulling off their team for sure. I mean, he, he's, he might be the best defensive player in the country. They're, they're talking about him being like, like a top 15 pick today on NFL Network. That, that was pretty impressive. Now, if I could pull anybody off Miami's team, it's the quarterback, D.R. King. Because I want to make Miami play with the same gr- group of quarterbacks last year who, you know, ultimately down the stretch, they, they lost to Louisiana Tech and FIU, et, et, et cetera. That, that, that thing was a mess. But yeah, like, like we saw Bateman opt out at the, the you know, top receiver for Minnesota. We, we saw Caleb Fairley, probably the best corner in the ACC, opt out. Just, man. Not an opt out, but it uh, became official that Xavier Thomas from Clemson's not playing uh, today. Um, so yeah, you know, seen, seen that throughout the conference. And, uh, the official ex- explanation for that was he did have COVID plus, I think it was strep throat, which, uh, didn't allow him to work out. And he had, um, put on some weight and has struggled to get back in shape due to some you know, COVID continuing issues, uh, et cetera. I, I mean, obviously wish all the best to Xavier Thomas got to know him a little bit when he was at IMG. If you're Florida State's tackles, you, you're, you're still not good, but like you're, you're kind of breathing a little bit of a, a little more sigh of relief uh, that some of these guys are not going to play against you this year, most likely. Uh, that's that's interesting, and yet like you have to think there are some guys on Florida State's team who could decide, eh, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and sit out, especially now that we're seeing some guys sit out who are maybe not first round locks. Now they're first round probabilities, they're first round likelihoods, but I don't think they're first round locks in all cases. And that's pretty interesting because if, if that becomes a trend, then we kind of have a bit of a flattening of the talent curve, at least of the established talent curve across college football. And, and that would be really interesting to see play out. And I know we'd be interested to discuss what that means for the Seminoles. We put this out last week, and I admittedly, when I threw it on the sheet, I did so because it was an idea that I hadn't thought of. Um, and I thought it was a great question. We've been really blessed by the the questions that we've received from our listener base over the last two to three months. And just want to thank you guys again. And the question was about what we would do or what the broader college football world would do with, uh, with officiating. And uh, we had a follow-up today uh, that I thought was, was pretty interesting. I'll also reach out and say that I, I called uh, Hampton city's athletic directors, a D three uh, old dominion athletic conference, ODAC school, uh, and tried to get an idea as to if I could, uh, Speak with, speak with a conference official to see if there had been any kind of reach out about this. But the idea is that with D2 and D3 almost certainly being canceled, uh, you're going to have an awful lot of referees to choose from. Uh, and that, you know, it wouldn't shock me if maybe like the ACC didn't develop a relationship with a D2 or a D3 athletic conference uh, to, to kind of have uh, maybe a little bit of a, a farm team or minor league type systems for officials uh, when and if they're needed. Which I think is exactly what, what will happen. With, with all these leagues canceling, it just makes sense. And we had a couple of people DM us. And they're like, wait a second, guys. Like, yeah, there, there still is kind of a high school shortage. But at college, you get all these guys who actually are college refs, who ref games at you know, FCS, D2, D3, NAIA. They're going to be available. They'll be able to fill... Bodies now are they going to be the same quality of refereeing? Who knows? Typically, they, they do try to have the best guys work 
uh, the more high, high profile games, but uh, and, and higher levels. But just something interesting to think about. And, and I do like doing follow ups to questions, especially if, if you're able to stump us like, like, like you were last week. You think, uh, you think the D3 officials have to work on their form when spotting the ball to make sure they don't accidentally slide it around? You know, it's weird because sometimes the, like, the polarity of, of Earth is, is a real problem. And you just you just don't know. It really is a technique yeah, issue. Ball can move. Technique. Yeah, exactly. If you, is that what if, they said? It was a technique if issue. If you get loose on your technique, that ball can move around on you. Be careful. Yeah, it was a technique issue. Hilarious. Hilarious. That was uh, yeah. That was what a time. Technique <laughs> issue. For for those of y'all who don't know what we're talking about, there was a game many years ago. Was this 2011 sure or 2010? I think it was Wake 2012. Was it 12? Or maybe it was 11. No, they pounded no. Wake in 12. Yeah. It, I think it was 11, sorry. So it was at Wake, if I recall, and there was a play that that Wake ran, and the referee, or, well, the official, he took and he slid the ball. How far would you say he slid it? It wasn't like a full yard, but it was... It was, uh, I would say, somewhere between 10 and 18 inches, somewhere in that area. I mean, it was... (laughs) Noticeable, the, the TV cameras caught it. It was moving. It was a... It's a game. I've said this before. It's a game uh, that I question the sporting integrity of. I do. The, 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 when that's like kind of the third ra- bizarre thing that happened with the officials, uh, the, the other two is there's a, and I know this sounds ridiculous when I say there was a phantom holding call, but no, there's a, there's a holding call that is not there. And it only gets called once Florida State completes about a 25-yard pass on a day when Florida State was not completing many 25-yard passes. You didn't find that timely? Uh, oh, it was a question, very questionable. And, and the guy throws the holding call after only looking downfield and seeing the pass. And then there's another uh, kind of uh, middle crossing route that they throw it, and the official does jumps up and tries to swat the damn ball. I mean, it's – man, that game – yeah, yeah, 2011, Wake Forest is uh, – you know, I'll use the old – the Jeff Cameron term, I I will put that game firmly under the tent of suspicion as to, uh, as to if there weren't outside factors involved. There's no doubt about it. That, that game was, yeah, that, that that game was, was, was different, uh, for, for sure. Um, and, and everybody's entitled to have a bad day. I am kind of a believer that sequencing exists and and sometimes the sequence of of events when they're clustered together. You know, we talk about cluster luck sometimes. Uh, Those refs had real poor, real poor cluster luck, if nothing else. Real poor, (laughs) tightly clustered (laughs) luck. Yeah. Oh, man. Enjoyed it. All right, man. So that'll be be another episode. Good to end on a little lighthearted note. Great to have a schedule in front of us. A lot of optimism. Uh, in general, and just the idea that we might have uh, made it through one of the crazier off-seasons we could ever look at or expect, and perhaps football's on the other side of the hill is uh, is a lot of fun. So I really appreciate all you guys sticking with us, and, and ladies, uh, over the course of the last six months, it's been a, been a challenge, but we've been ever so fortunate by the ideas, questions, and conversations that we've been able to draw from you guys. As always, we want to thank our sponsors and make the podcast possible. And uh, this has been fun. We'll continue to do it. And we look forward to uh, jumping headfirst into a 2020 football season. Five stars on iTunes, y'all. And appreciate all, all the new Patreon members as well. So until next time. This has been the Nullcast. 
The Knollcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank you.